Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan. Michael's here. Moscow White's here. Our weekly roundup. It's about Leeds United, isn't it? It is. It's also about legal services. It is, is it? Yeah, well, the sponsors, don't they? They do. They hand over money, so you will say these words. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. 10% off your legal fees across a range of services, including Will's probate and, of course, conveyancing. The big three as they are known to you? To me, to everyone now. Right. To all listeners. Yep. And many other services, all of which are helpfully listed at LeviSolicitors.co.uk. Um, go through the square ball landing page as well, because it helps, doesn't it? Quite it helps frankly. you, as in the person who's getting the discount. Oh, right. I thought you meant me. No. Well, it does if you go It would if it. I needed legal services. That's Correct. exactly what I'd do. If I was having a dispute with my neighbours or was involved in some commercial dispute and needed some resolution. Yeah. Yeah, do that. Go that'd to them. Be, that'd be good. So, uh, thank you. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. 10% discount on your legal fees. Weekly roundup, as I mentioned then. Here it is. Where should we start? Maxi Gradle is a champion again. Not strictly Leeds news, is it? But Well, it is, isn't nice, it? Nice, though. Sort of. Once Leeds, always Leeds. And we've got the games to round up from the midweek, including Ipswich winning at Millwall, Boo. which was Wednesday night, wasn't it? Are we going up? Will injuries play a part? We've got some injuries to talk about now as well. We're into weeks, not months territory with Pascal Strike. Which one do you want to lead off on then? Where should we go? I mean, we're second in the table, aren't we? Yeah. Which is definitely a promotion place. I feel like we might go up. But then... You know, I know I'm aware I'm prone to massive swings in these things. We'll lose one game and I'll be like, ah, oh, it's, it's fucked. over. It's fucked. We'll do well to hang on to the playoffs. And even if we get there, what's the point? Because we'll only lose. But this week, yeah, we're going up. We have got the big advantage, or Southampton have the big disadvantage of playing West Brom on Friday night in their fragile mental mm. state. It must. Teetering on collapse, Moscow? Well, it must suck to go. It's 22 unbeaten in the league, 25 all competitions, isn't it? And where has that got them? Behind Leeds. Behind Leeds, which is, I think, exactly where they started. I think were they, I've not looked at the points difference, but I think they were a point behind us when it, it began, when they, they beat us, brought them to within a point of us at the start of their run, and now they're a point behind us at the top, or is it even two points? So. Two, I think, at the minute. Yeah, like, um, they will go ahead, us with their ga- ahead of us with their game in hand, which I think is that against Rotherham, so you'd expect them to win that. But Yeah, but then if they lose the other games. like So if they lose on Friday night... To West Brom, what good's that game against Rotherham if we beat Plymouth? So, all the pressure's on the Saints. It'd be like when Huddersfield went on that 50-game unbeaten mm. run or something um, that started in like 5th in League One and ended 5th in League One. And it was like, well, well done, Lee Clark. They did lose a playoff in the middle, which didn't count because it wasn't a league game. Right. So, it was a it was a technical record. Was that when he was crying about systems? Was that Huddersfield? Was that Birmingham? I think, I think it was Birmingham when it was the systems was a problem. He says, don't. Don't believe in systems. Don't talk to me about systems. Which I've tried to find that clip again, but it's been scrubbed well. from the internet, which is a shame. If anybody at Sky Sports wants to do us a favour, <laughs> first of all... Notorious fans of fo- uh, friends of football fans? First of all, well, yeah, it will kind of make up for all the fixture changes if... Yeah, so if you want to repair some of the damage done to the environment by the Bristol and Plymouth games... And Swansea. You'd help the atmosphere and probably the levels of carbon being released into the world if you just put Andy Hinchcliffe in a cupboard for a few weeks. Yep. Just quietly. You can, a big cupboard where he'll be comfortable. It's fine. And also dig out that clip of... Um, Is that the cow's farting principle that they pump a load of carbon out into the atmosphere so if you stop cows farting... Yeah. Well, yeah. We can't rely on Joffy Gelhart to save the environment one by one. He's uh, taken over from Greta as old Joffy, uh, Joffy Thunberg. Anywho, we're going off topic. <laughs> Not like us. Bring the Lee Clark clip where he's talking about systems uh, back into circulation, please. What Thank did you, you think about his last job? How do you think he did? Lee Clark? Mm. What was his last job? It was um, Al Merrick. That's a club. Mm. Al Merrick, not a man, but it could be. Where is Al Merrick? Um, that's he. Uh, well, I know. It's in 
Uh, Sudan. Yeah. And how did he do? Yeah, he got sacked. So sacked after 51 days. That's not long at all. Did he have time to sign anybody? Is he back? Is he backpacking? Oh, it was his second. Uh, it was his second stint, actually. Okay. God, what a weird career. I was going to say, it sounds like he's going on a backpacking tour because he's done like India, hasn't he? Well, he's done Huddersfield, Birmingham, and Blackpool to kick it off. So that's a bit uninspiring. Then Kilmarnock and Bury. You need to work your way up, don't you? Blythe Spartans. Yeah, wasn't his playing career just Newcastle and Sunderland and Newcastle and Sunderland? He did a bit of Fulham as well, didn't he? Oh, I suppose they're quite exotic. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I think probably that unbeaten run that resulted in nothing might have been the highlight of his managerial career. So mm. well done to him. But yeah, we're going up because Southampton are going to lose at West Brom, aren't they? Feels like ages ago since we lost at West Brom, doesn't it? All other team. Farker out. <laughs> well, there the was Farker out era. The Farker out era. It really was, wasn't it? We'd lost... We lost two games. Two games, and we drew we drew against Coventry as well. That was very disappointing. And one of those games, uh, remember, we were in underload. What does that mean? Because it's what Farker always says about the sending off at um, Preston. Oh, okay. It's like, we had to play this game in underload. <laughs> I like that. That's a really good... He kept going on it. Do you think that's, that's like maybe a, a word that's, that exists in German that's not quite translated because we don't really say underload, do we? Unterloden. Uh, maybe, but yeah. And it makes sense, underload. But it's, I think it's... Uh, isn't it a ice hockey thing as well? Isn't it? Power oh, that's play. A power play, isn't it? Yeah. So we were whatever the opposite of a power. I guess Preston had the power play, all the P's. Mm. At least he translated it. Jesse would have kept with the German word to make himself seem yes. fancy. <laughs> yeah, they yes, they call this Mittwoch. <laughs> it means midweek. <laughs> it's only 14 games left of the season. That's not many, is it, boys and girls? No. They need to book the open top bus. That's what needs to be done. People are going to hate this and say we're getting ahead of ourselves. But because there's been a little bit but of. People will love the bus. So. That's true. Anybody who hates it now can't come to the parade. Right. There's been a little bit of. Because that Southampton Saints stats, whatever it was, said Leeds are out of the running. There's been a little bit of biting back at that. They, were, they tweeted something along the lines of, you know, now Leeds are out of contention or whatever. And now we're obviously above Southampton. Just, I don't know if that was to hoover up because they've got a blue tick and obviously you can you know, get revenue from being blue tick. They don't know they were trying to do that, get engagement, or whether it was just a ridiculous post of arrogance. The sort of thing that Leeds fans would never do. No. no. But there's been a little bit of biting back at that saying, you know, back in contention now, aren't we dickheads? That kind of thing. But as uh, Ipswich, we've completely written off. Yeah, well, I mean, they are finished though. That's, we do know that. <laughs> yeah, we're basically doing exactly what Southampton did, which I quite admired the passive aggressiveness of that particular early... Uh, right off because I don't think they were actually saying Leeds are out of this. They were just doing graphs of the um, of the the title challenges without us, which is very subtle. I'm not, I'm not sure about that because I have screen grabbed it. If there was more, I mean, I don't care to that extent. <laughs> I mean, the, I do. The one tweet I've seen, <laughs> I'm a baby, was just um, like a list of the the fixtures left for the three title contenders, and we weren't there. And I thought, well, that's mildly amusing. But if there's more to it, then yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm not interested to that extent. I mean, when West Brom beat them on Friday, they're only going to be nine points behind Southampton, breathing right down their necks. And that pressure is going to get to them. Yeah, Carlos Corbran, Agent Carlos, doing us a solid. We need uh, Alex Mowat. Uh, MC, what's his name, Freestyle? He was MC Freestyle, yeah. We yeah. need to bang one in the top corner again. If not, a Kyle Bartley header. I bet there are loads of MC Freestyles, aren't there? I mean, he was 13. He did, well, like, trying to saying, come up with the most original. Pathetic. <laughs> What was your 13-year-old rap name? I wasn't into rap. Right, what was your... What, what, were you not spitting rhymes? What were you doing? Um, classical. Right. Piano. <laughs> were you? I can't play piano at all. That's what can lie. you play? Um, Sit down with a guitar maybe? And, nothing. No? Nothing. It was some triangle? basic percussion, yeah. You did triangle? Yeah. What's your favourite What's old, your favourite note on the triangle? The ting? I was going to say it's the classic. Um, I, had to, I had to leave. It was just one ting after another. <laughs> right. That joke. Which is always good. Yeah. Um, no, I can't play anything. Moscow, you play an instrument? No. You? I know you've... I taught myself to play guitar to a very basic level. You can't play guitar. I could, I could do you a couple of chords. I could probably play Wonderwall at a push, but then everyone can play Wonderwall because like Oasis songs are basically like nursery rhymes, aren't they? And I say that as an Oasis fan growing up. Yeah, we're going up then. I feel like we've got distracted again from that. Swansea against Ipswich. We beat Swansea. They're rubbish. Yes. We never concede any goals anymore. That's the one thing I've noticed. Is that because we've got a um, Mampadu at the back with his mate Road on? It's going pretty well. Seems to be the opposite of what's happening to Southampton because although they ended up beating Huddersfield, conceding three there and then conceding three to Bristol, six in two games. Mm-hmm. 
don't they, be they were that. very porous at the start of the season, weren't they? They got mm. they did Sunderland do a five nil or something in the opening weeks. I've got a yeah, vague memory of. They've been very like they beat Swansea five nil as well during this run. Because I at one point, yeah, I think I mentioned that when I saw them conceding three to Huddersfield. See if they've been doing the Ipswich thing of just outscoring the opposition and actually know they've been winning games 5 0 and 4 0, which is, makes the inversion of their recent form pretty strange. But yeah, if you're going to, that's the fear that they'll go in with against West Brom is not only lost a game, but should have lost to Huddersfield as well. And you should have lost to Huddersfield is almost as bad as losing to them. <laughs> yeah, you, shouldn't, so, you shouldn't be nearly losing to Huddersfield yeah, or even entertaining the idea. 5-0 they lost to Sunderland on the 2nd of September then the game after that was the 15th where they lost 4-1 to Leicester um, so yeah it can be done obviously the, the club to dig them out of their poor form and start off a massive run was Leeds United um, just talking about the changes to defence and Ampadu and all that Pascal Strauch has now strayed into weeks not months territory mm. on the plus side the defence has never looked better right so you can kind of accept it for a while can't you until we get an injury but yeah, it's not good, is it? The way he keeps... It was a couple of weeks, wasn't it, to begin with? And then it's uh, it just keeps going on and on and on. In fact, it's the next international break, which is middle of March. So a lot of games between now and then. I suppose the, the only good side and touching all the wood I can find is that that's our only real long-term injury this season. We've had players dipping out, but you'd you'd think this would have been Sam Byram. But Byram is always just like, I need to maybe take a a game off or this is tightened up and I need to uh, go off but um, you know we've not had the season ending injury to Crescencio Somerville that in recent seasons you would have expected Rodrigo has not happened again where you're like right your best player is going to be disappearing because we've got loads of best players and they're Um, all fit at the minute so that's good yeah so there's two real when you're looking at the improvements from where we were then having lots of good players and having them all in good condition to play. Is that a recipe for success in your eyes? <laughs> Not just in my eyes, in the league table is backing up. Yeah. Yeah. The squad overall is, um, it's now starting to properly show its quality and its depth, I think, isn't it? Like the, like the likes of, like Jaden Anthony's probably kicking his heels to a certain extent because he's not been able to break through. You know, he thinks he, he featured in all the early games for Bournemouth this season, didn't he? And then he was replaced by a rat who they've now signed permanently. So he must feel a little bit, um, don't know uprooted at the minute not quite cemented a place in the lead side but he's he's been a, a fairly crucial cog in the machine hasn't he but and I say that with like Nonto in mind who has stepped in when Dan James has been off injured but it's really starting to starting to show now isn't it the, the quality within the squad and it's nice that these players like Groovy Gruev has emerged in midfield which means that we've been able to move Ampadu back it's all it's all good isn't it it's good things who would have thought Junior Furpo would be crucial to a massive streak of defensive mastery should we say mm-hmm because we well one in, one because in one in seven is ridiculous. We need Johnny Cooper on this, but that can't have happened very often. What seven games on the trot for? <laughs> <laughs> well, because in one in seven. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's George Graham era, surely. Is that sort yeah. of thing? And that and we achieved that by playing nine defenders, which is kind of less of a mystery than actually doing it while scoring a load of goals. It does help being vastly superior to most of your opponents, though, doesn't it? Yeah, that does help. But um, for whatever reason, it, it does feel like, and we're saying this on the on the show that we've recorded with Phil, that's going to be out on Friday that just feels like there's just been a, a little shift in the mindset around Leeds. It feels like there's momentum building. And again, caveat that by saying that, you know, you can lose the next game and that goes all, all goes out the window a la Southampton. But there's that sense of it, even if it is a complete mirage. Yeah, Farker was saying last week about how, and he's actually he's been saying it all season, that it's difficult after being relegated to change the atmosphere into one that's about winning instead of losing. It's all habit forming. And that's how come... Uh, Southampton can go on a 25-game unbeaten streak because you just get used to the idea that you're going to go and play and not lose. Whereas even though we changed a lot of the players, you know, I can remember it because the games at the start of the season at Elland Road where we hadn't won for months and we drew against Sheffield Wednesday and you just felt that there was that kind of feeling of, oh, we're never going to win at home. Even though all the bastards who turned up last season and relegated us have gone, it's still, the hangover stays, I think, Barker has implied that it stays as much within the playing side as it does on the supporter side. And it takes time to overcome that, that when you do finally win a game at home, oh, well, yeah, but will we win next week? And then you do. 
and then oh, well yeah but the away games are going to be dead difficult because everyone's just going to pack the defence and then they do but we win anyway and then but then we have to get through the games at Stoke where it's oh, everything goes wrong it's oh that's what it's going to be like so it's it takes a lot of time to build everyone says you get relegated with a squad from the Premier League and all the parachute payments and you should just flip a switch and get promoted immediately just for the quality of the players but you saw it with Southampton Leicester started much more easily but us and Southampton are a bit more normal in that shaking off the hangover has taken a lot of time and now get past Christmas where we always suck and it does feel like I don't know if Barker has specifically pointed out um, and maybe getting to the end of playing the first round of fixtures where we've played every team once helped where he could just go they're all rubbish lads just beat them because that's what it felt like against Swansea and now that we've started scoring the early goals as well that's been the next thing it's kind of like, like we're winning every game can you now win the games in the first half and make it all a lot easier? And then you look at Swansea, and it must have been, you looked at the way they came out, and they're all standing on halfway. Parker, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he had if he had to be trying to be subtle about it, he was just giving, yeah, no, okay, no pointing, okay, just just his, his eyes. It's like, lads, look, over. Have you looked? Have you over. seen? Yeah, what, They'll notice eventually. <laughs> just keep doing it until they do. Until they do. Just talking about like the poison that, um, that was here last year, and... They've all gone, haven't they? And I wonder if we may now be seeing the benefits of having lost all that failure from the dressing room. I know it wasn't nice and we were kind of forced into possibly more churn than they would have liked, but to have got rid of all those players... We had to. It was a proper demolition job last season. It only becomes clear in retrospect. Players like Melier and Cooper and Ayling um, and Bamford all copped a lot of grief for their part in it and you do deserve a certain amount of blame for being part of a relegated team. You do look at, you know, Marsh turned up and then the players we've signed, Aronson, Christensen, Adams, Sinistera. And you can see from those last two that, you know, how keen they were and how attached to the club they felt because they couldn't wait to get out. Vuba as well. Russell is kind of, I mean, should have just been in the under-21s when he turned up with Nyonto, but we just put them straight into the team. So there's a bunch of players all arrived and then relegated us and then went away. Christensen, Rocker, all those players. Yeah. Rocker, another one. And yeah, you kind of look, it's almost bewildering. It's like a whirlwind that, that came through. And that's, um, and yeah, this season has been kind of about uh, picking up the pieces and repairing that damage and um, fixing the ones who are still here and the and the old guard as well. The likes of, it's funny like seeing the re-emergence of Bamford as a senior player. And having prominence within that squad, admittedly, it's you know it's a level lower down. We don't want to be at this level. We prefer to be still be in the Premier League, but a chance maybe to reset the culture a little bit and the the voices in the dressing yeah. room. You see someone like Joe Rodon and how he how he leads from the back completely. Like the there's a, there's a almost a second captain there in waiting, isn't yeah. there? Well, there'll be a, there'll be a big change for a player like Liam Cooper, who we know at the end of last season yelled at the dressing room that anyone who doesn't want to be here can fuck off. And then this season, his role is very different because he's not playing as much. But I, th- I get the feeling he probably prefers being in a dressing room with Joe Roden than being in a dressing room with half the people who were here last yeah. season, whether he's playing or not. It's just better. And it seemed to be there was a lot of the indications were that those. It's a little bit like one of the things that people say went wrong with the O'Leary era was it wasn't just the financial impact of it being several signings too many, but the, the last few through the door I think um, people generally kind of point at Robbie Fowler as being the most um, significant one. Great player, but just changed the atmosphere in terms of because he'd not been part of of what of the culture, and he had expectations of um, how things had been at Liverpool and his status as a England international. Just kind of the last few players kind of changed the way things had been. Now, the way things had been in the era was not necessarily all that great when you think about some of the stuff they got up to. But an ecosystem exists, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, I think it tells its own story that the ones who we just got rid of at the end of last season were largely the ones who'd arrived at the start of that season. And they didn't help us whatsoever. And I hope they've enjoyed being injured at Bournemouth. We basically fully, it's been demarched and de altered to an extent, hasn't yeah, it? The entire club totally. in terms of the playing style and the even the, some of the backfill with people like Kelder and Pervader and those those kind of players all leaving as well. I know you you can look at the first team and say, well, Arthur did sign Somerville, Ruter, but they weren't first team players under under his reign, if you like. Whether they were they were kind of just on the bench and on the fringes, whereas now it feels like 
what we're built around is well like a new midfield, a new defence, and it's looking a hell of a lot better. Than and that. also, yeah. it's it's the let's say the the type of player is like the opposite Welsh. of what, what it would have gone for. Yeah, like Welsh, it would have yes. never it would have never gone for an unglamorous Welsh signing because it's too obvious, isn't it? It's too mm. it's too close to home. It's not glamorous enough. It's not enough of a moonshot. It's not Dan trying James, to prove a point. Glamorous. Yeah, but he, he went for Dan James because Bielsa wanted him. He was a uh, um, lovely, glamorous little fellow. But to bring it to the joy of the now, what Farker is bringing is, and is kind of becoming clearer over the season, is the knowledge of um, having done all this before. And it feels like we are copying the Norwich seasons to a certain extent where they didn't start very fast. Then they got to around the turn of the new year and they were in contention and then they went on an utterly ridiculous run. So I think we don't lose another game, probably win every game now from for the rest of the season. Shut but, up. But to have that, uh, <laughs> but to have that confidence... We, we know your form on this. To have that confidence is great because the strategy that we were following with managerial appointments previously, apart from Bielsa, and that's whether it's Christensen, Heckenbottom or Marsh, was always, well... They can learn on the job and we'll see if they can work out what to do. Whereas Farker, we know he knows what to do. And so fine, just let him do it. And it seems um, like he's doing um, the things that are happening at the times. He's sort of predicting that they will happen. So there's good. comfort There's comfort in that, isn't there? Yeah. And his, uh, even down to his um, attitude about not looking at the table, he's like, don't look at the table at the end of the season. We just need to win so many games and get to two points a game and that'll be fine. And now when you see middle of February and we just sneak into the top two that's why he's saying don't look at the table because he's confident that we'll get into the right place in the table at the right time and then come to April and we'll start looking at the table and uh, weeping and uh, throwing up and crying and screaming yes because we'll be so near to success and uh, it'll be terrifying a lucrative day for uh, a bus driver somewhere well I was going to say I I mentioned on the show this week we recorded with Phil just ahead of doing this show but it's out afterwards that I'm kind of embracing the the run this year I can't I'm enjoying it it doesn't feel as loaded with with pressure and the weight of history as so much as like the Bielsa two attempts at promotion did but um, you can check all that out on that show just Being talking, a yo-yo club's going to be good isn't it oh I can't wait it's, yeah. al- it's almost like as long as we only yo-yo once that's now mm, I don't know there's certain advantages to it what if we do get relegated next season if we do follow the Farker Norwich playbook then we are down next year and then up again and then we sack him and we get Dean Smith. So <laughs> there's a lot to look forward to. But there is. As I said, um, Dean Smith does come with three haircuts. So. Yeah, the three, three. for the one. The three seasons in the Premier League that we had, one was great. And then the next two, eh. So we may as well just got relegated and won this. That's true. Just to circle back to where we started on Max Gradle and we were talking about the bastards who left us following relegation this time. It's interesting how high regard Gradle is held in because of the context of the time versus. We can't wait to show the door to most of these players who saw us relegated. And the fact that we can still be pleased for is his, his, his second AFCON win, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at 36, that he's still held in that regard because of the style that he played in, even with the madness at the end of the uh, of the Bristol game, that we like him. He's one of those that we like. There are plenty of those that we don't like. That's left us. What reasons were there not to like Max Grade? Well, exactly. So the, what, but I, I suppose I suppose the fact that he left, yeah, because he, he thought he should play at a better level. But the thing is, he was right. Yeah, yes. Rasmus Christensen, <laughs> he's proven again. He can't play at this level. He can't play at Premier League level. He can't play in Italy. He probably yeah. couldn't play at the Championship. I was going to say, it's all the, all the lads who've done the interviews saying it was be- the best move for my career. Yeah, yeah. The the, the era that Max Gradle was here was pr- probably one of the most upsetting things about it, and one of the worst things that Bates did to us was that it changed our expectations to be so uh, low that players like Grade Orhausen, Johnson Kilkenny, Snodgrass, Becky Ohm, all of them, when they left to go to... Mainly Norwich. Mainly Norwich, but on the uh, Premier League club, if not on the way to the Premier League. And then the next generation as well, Lewis Cook, Charlie Taylor, Sam Byram. I think, yeah, go, get out of here, because we're fucking rubbish. And you guys are way better than Leeds are ever going to be, while Ken Bates and the people he sells the club onto um, will be r- running it. And it was, um, so there was never any, I mean, the thing with Max Gradle, I don't think he, he started that season playing, didn't he? And then he just, there was just a good bid for him that, well, 
Bates ended up saying that because all the money got lost on the exchange rate and agent fees and stuff, and there was a bit like his agent wanted him to to go and stuff. But he was right there. It was at the end of the window. It was the 30th of August, 2011. But his subsequent career playing in League Arn and then going to Bournemouth when was that Bournemouth in the Premier League with him or was he in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it says here Wikipedia, which we know to be correct for everything says he joined Premier League newcomers Bournemouth on a yeah. four-year deal for a reported fee of £7 million. And he was captain of Saint-Étienne and he's not far off being uh, Ivory Coast's most capped player. He's now got his second AFCON. And so none of those things happened if he spent the next six years after he left, if he just stayed at Leeds and then Neil Warnock comes in and fucking... Puts him on long throws or something. So, <laughs> but there was that real feeling at times. Say with you know, nobody has any problems with Housen because he was a good enough player to go and play in the Premier League, and he proved it. And some of those players, I suppose, Housen went in the the winter of that of that same season that Gradle left, but almost against his will. They weren't forcing the way out. They were just some of them. Snodgrass felt like he stayed too long and gave it every chance under Warnock, where it's like. Prove to me that we're going to get promoted. Give me a reason to stay at this club so I can fulfil my ambitions here. All of those players would have loved to fulfil every football ambition they ever had. Instead, he took him, took him for a barbecue in Cornwall and played against some farmers. Yeah, and, and just went, oh, if you leave, I'll get Luvernian. There was just nothing there to for a footballer to, to stay playing at Leeds with Michael Brown all the time. So, yeah, a very different scenario. And really good to see him. He's, he played well in the tournament. They The... Uh, Cote d'Ivoire changed their fortunes hosting it, making an absolute mess of the group stage and then got a new manager bounce, sacked the coach and then also... Got to show what you can do if you do that in a timely fashion, doesn't it? And then also the coach had not been playing uh, Gradle in the group stages. So as soon as Gradle started winning games, they turned into Redemption. champions. Redemption. It was quite funny in the final because um, I was quite confused by the captaincy situation with um, Ivory Coast because he wasn't the captain that started the game and then the captain got subbed off and put the armband on Max and then uh, he had to take it straight off again because it turned out to be a double sub and he was coming off as well. Oh. Um, so, so he was captain momentarily. He was captain for about 30 seconds and then, but he had been um, wearing the armband in earlier games and then at the end of the match, I waited and I waited and I waited while, I think they brought the third, the bronze medal people out for their um, uh, trophy and then all the officials, uh, the referees and stuff, and then like all the government people who wanted to be involved. And it took absolutely fucking ages because I wanted to see who would be lifting the trophy. And in the end, finally, uh, Gianni Infantino and a, a few others went. Then there's, there's, It's so fucking ridiculous. Like three people, all with their hands on bits of the trophy, <laughs> taking it over to give it to Gradle. And then finally, yeah, he he lifted it up and he looked well happy, so it was worth it. It was worth the wait. Just a sad postscript to uh, Gradle's career, the last bit of the paragraph uh, on the intro on his Wikipedia page. In June 2018, he joined French club Toulouse. You'd think he'd go to win, wouldn't you? But um, And anyway, it's pronounced. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Listen up, I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! 
Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Time to assemble the TSB jury now as we judge the world of football and we crown a villain of the week, a Ken Bates villain of the week first, and we will also crown a hero of the week. Uh, a Gitano Barardi Hero of the Week. So, let's start off with the Villain of the Week Award. Who do you want to put forward out of all the ones we've received from our TSB Plus members and your own opinion and things you've seen with your eyes, things you've heard with your ears? Who is it? Who are you nominating? Who are you advocating for? Any strong opinions, Moscow? Not really. I'm quite tempted by uh, Lee Trundle. I was tempted by Becky Grimes. Well, there's In what way? Our different uh, tastes. <laughs> but I think it's Sky. Becky being obviously Matt's mum. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, it's Sky, isn't it? <laughs> Will. Will messaged in still Matt Grimes' mum, silly bastard. <laughs> no punctuation. Just really tickle me. <laughs> Does the job. But yeah, I mean, I think Sky for a week where we've have we're playing Plymouth at half past twelve. Um, Swansea, of course. And and the Swansea game they chose to broadcast, but then sort of didn't. Yeah. Just opted out of that one, didn't they? Just sort of showed the second half as a, a kaleidoscope of colours and um, occasionally you'd get a little glimpse of some football in the middle of it but for anybody who's abroad by the way I would say I don't think it's far from describing accurately saying it's probably quite seizure inducing that sort of stuff it was it was very very difficult to watch like yeah. we were, I, I had, had to keep looking away from the screen I was going to say I did genuinely just stop looking at the screen for until we got um, managed to get the dulcet tones of Lee Trundle up on Swans TV as, as an alternative he was just so loud wasn't he it was, like, it was <laughs> shrill yeah he was just pitched up in the mix like there was no getting away from him. You couldn't, um, I couldn't concentrate on the game. I started with the uh, Swansea commentary and then had to cast around for better options because I couldn't see past the, when you say that uh, the second half of the, the sky coverage turned into like a kaleidoscope of pixels. That's what the sound of Lee Trundle looked like already yeah. on the Swansea. <laughs> Maybe that's so. what was doing it. Maybe there was interference coming from across the the commentary box just infiltrating the, the satellite signal with his voice. What did it sound like? Can anyone do an impression of it? It doesn't even... It wasn't I even... Thought you were, I thought you were launching into it then. Hey, hey, it wasn't even like an objectionable accent. It was just... The mix was wrong. He, yeah. the, the treble was up too high. Yeah. Someone put someone put a bit more bass in it or even apply one of those effects like he's um, a former MI5 fan being interviewed on this morning or something. I'm fairly sure we've got a button that can do yeah, that. It can do like a... Should we try it? It would have been better. Did you actually got... I think it's the uh, voice disguise. Let me try it. Here you go. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, there you go. Hello, I'm Lee Trundle. <gasps> Would have been an improvement. Yeah. Just add a little bit of bass into it. Uh, but uh, A fine goal scorer for, the, <laughs> for Leeds United. You know, he's still playing, apparently. Fun. God. He Fun. was never much of a runner, was he? So the Mumbles Rangers. Right, lads. So who's, giving, who's, giving the pre-match talk I... in the, who's giving the pre-match talk in the dressing room? Not you, Lee. Someone the, else. The ironically named Mumbles mm. Rangers, uh, having scored 29 in 63 games for Ammonford in the last four seasons. So he's still cracking the goals in. Who was the uh, the player we loaned from Swansea who had the massive arse? Andy Alan Robin? Tate. Oh. Alan Tate. Also in Emmerdale, I believe. Yeah. Owns the gallery as well, doesn't he? Yes, he does, yeah. All of Down them. in he owns, Well, there's a few of them, I think. In London and other places. Yeah. Yeah, because they were reeling off some of the um, Swansea and Leeds legends who were in attendance. I was waiting to hear if um, are you sure it's Alan Tate. Yeah, yeah, oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah. born nineteen eighty two. Yeah, he was. Um, we all thought he was. He was coming on loan to save us. Oh, this would be great. No, I feel like Sky very much the leading candidate. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Trundle wasn't Sky. He was, you know, Swans TV co-coms, wasn't he? So, I mean, Sky TV are a, you know a multi-million pound organization. Constantly moving stuff around. Lee Trundle's nothing to do with that. Leave him, give the guy a break, is what I'm yeah. saying. Some other mentions, and Huddersfield didn't come out well from this week. Uh, too shit to even do as a favour, says Jake in Florida. Although Jake did spell that with only an OR at the end. No U, as, no. as we would with the, the, the Queen slash King's English. So, fortunately, we might have to disregard that. Yeah. Um, Dan Baker rightly points out, you think dog, dog bothering twats like them will be better at holding on to Leeds. Boom, Leeds, boom. Yes, very good. They did win, didn't they? Yeah, they beat Huddersfield last night. Beat themselves. 
Sunderland, yeah. you meant? They beat Sunderland last night. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, I was distracted because uh, Luke 09 got a yellow card. It's shown here and uh, I'm always a little bit annoyed that Luke 09's shirt number is 13. It was like a missed opportunity because mm. they could save so much on the cost of printing a shirt if you just put O and then an apostrophe and then the number 9. Mm. Speaking of others, Phil. built differently though. Andy Madley gets a mention uh, by a few people for, for comedy reffing. Particularly, I think this is with reference to Rotherham, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I feel like more like Rotherham fans will be nominating him for the, the scandal. What was it that the, oh, yes, the cheat with number nine on his back is what the um, the Rotherham advertiser report described um, our Patrick as. They were not impressed by Andy Madley letting that go. In fact, let's nominate uh, Pat Bamford because... Good his, goal. His warm-up routine gets picked out by David St. Hubbins saying his warm-up regime was wrong, obviously, because it caused him to be injured. But we won 4-0, so... Yeah, it wasn't the cheat. It was the con man with number nine on his back. Some of the highlights in that report, these were in the daily email on Monday, so some people have already had this, but where is it now? The, <laughs> it's worth finding... We've already heard reports of people going to his house. If, if he's being labelled a con man, is someone going to get around there and stick a foot in his door and ask him... Why you, why you sold those adjustable beds to those old people and didn't didn't deliver them? Lynn Foldswood yelling at him about uh, chlorofluorocarbons. <laughs> is it not Dom Littlewood these days who's on the BBC? I think it's Roger Cook. Right. We'll be around there sharpish. Right. Why can't I find... Speak amongst yourselves, I'll find this... Um... Few of the nominations. Anyway, uh, Lee Peltier, Tom nominates him, saying he used to email me all the time, inviting me to Ellen Road, but not had one for years. Yeah. Which is a bit rude. What's he ghosting Tom for? Exactly. Um, Farker by an unnamed person uh, but this has got to be a cheap shot this surely. is definitely a cheap shot given, given that we're on like a, a seven game winning run and we've only conceded one goal in that time so he resents anyone scoring a hat-trick which is why he keeps pe- taking people off when they've got two oh right he didn't want uh, Ruter to score either did he and I think he sensed he might so we got him off too yeah just to yeah. keep him in his place okay now take us back so it's the Rotherham advertiser reporter Paul Davis leading with the fact that um uh, the ticket prices obviously were were part of this because there wasn't a reciprocal pricing for the away fans because Rotherham wouldn't agree to it. So it was 45 quid to watch an act of cheating put the championship's bottom place club behind in a contest that they were hardly likely to win anyway. 45 quid to see the perpetrator shamelessly highlight how he had duped the match officials as he celebrated with the home support. 45 quid. To observe him sharing a light-hearted moment with one of those officials after the final whistle. Fair play to the 611 followers who still made it across the M1. Up the M1, surely, rather than across. That's dangerous. And yeah. Don't cross the M1, kids. Don't play on motorways. Uh, rather than be one of the thousands who quite justify thousands opted to give this Yorkshire derby a miss. They weren't bringing thousands. Ah, fair play. That's something that was alien to Leeds United's Patrick Bamford at a packed Elland Road on Saturday. The con man with number nine on his back broke the deadlock early and then, just as he'd done in the process of scoring, led with his elbow as he ran to the Leeds fans. So that does highlight, though, the reason I would nominate uh, Bamford is that he told everybody, I was in here straight after the game going, oh, there's there's, there's not an angle. And I still don't think I've looked at all the angles and even the one where you can see it hitting his arm, I'm not convinced that it's like, it's not shoulder enough. Like it doesn't, it's not. Or is it like a, like a, a ventriloquist with a false arm, you know, and the real one's up the, the there's, puppet. There's clearer footage of um, the grassy knoll. It's, it's difficult to get right down to exactly what has happened. But it's easy when Pat goes, yeah, it hit me up. <laughs> Shut up. Another way to Going look over at Especially don't tell the referee. Another way to look at this. Six, 611 tickets sold at 45 quid is about £27,500. I like to think that every single penny that they paid went into Pat Bamford's pocket. It's probably about right. For that week. So, uh, and, well, well, and well deserved. Buy him a new shirt after he's worn the elbows out on that one because the ball keeps bouncing off it. Well, we're going through cheap shots as well and on Rotherham. Will quite rightly nominates uh, Liam Richardson. What kind of spelling is that? Yeah. Because he's Liam, L-E-A-M. Like Liam. Liam. Yeah. Big Leeds fan though. No, that's true. We are knocking one of our own. No, Fine. In that it is, it's a cheap shot, though. I mean, there's no, yeah. no two ways about that. I mean, taking a, ch- a shot at Farker is a cheap shot under the circumstances. Um, same with Jordan. Hugh Gill, Hugh Gill. Oh, Hugh, yeah. Hugh, Hugh Guile. That's more than a cheap shot because that tackle on, uh, well, that 
foul through the back of uh, Rodon. Rodon didn't get as much mention. If yeah. you want to talk that should have been a red, shouldn't it? Yeah. Forty-five pounds to watch that. Yeah. yeah. To watch Jordan. To watch a bricklayer tackling a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to bricklayers, by the way. Right. But, um, I'd take a bricklayer over Jordan Hugel. Uh, Although Farker Stewie did Dal- sign Stewie him, Dallas is, is a brick man, and he was uh, mm. uh, doing a brick man. Is that what do, you call do, him? Doing the brick stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm after an extension. What am I going to need? <laughs> a brick man. A brickman. Brickman. <laughs> I've just gone to uh, the old phone book. Gary Brickman. <laughs> what do you mean? You, what do you mean you work in insurance? Come on, don't give me that shit. Uh, imagine trying to explain a phone book to the kids. By the way. Yeah, I know all the numbers. All the numbers book. with your addresses. Very strange setup. The villain of the week, then it's it's got to be Sky TV, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Easy yeah, they've had a bad time. Unless there's any reports of Becky Grimes glassing anyone, any Leeds fans or anything, because she was so furious about it. But I've, nothing about I've, that. I've not heard anything, so she, no. she's probably been fine for the most part. Well done, thanks. Cheers, Becky. Right as we uh, as we head over towards the Katana Bride Hero of the Week, quick check in on the um, the scores for the last couple of games. Rotherham, Cree Somerville, man of the match, eight point seven out of ten, scored by RTSB Plus members. Gruev, um, second. Georgie. I can't stop thinking of him as the Gruffalo now. The Gruffalo. That's it's great. Fine. It's mm. great. Mouse took a stroll through the deep dark wood. Um, yeah, Georgie, Ilya and Crescencio all scoring over eight. Onto Swansea. Farker actually came out top scorer. Um, top scorer there. Obviously, he's not a player, but... Unnecessarily high, for just saying. Even I could have said, just knock it over the top of that really slow defence that stood on the halfway line. Yeah. Really, really obvious. Yeah, all the uh, the lowest scorers are just against the usual story. Subs all floating around six. Top scorers, Willie, 8.58. Cree, Archie, Georgie all knocking about eight. Somerville out in front still then for the player of the year at the minute with um, Rodon close behind mm-hmm. Ampadu as well. And Georgie is now um, inching ever closer. So yeah, it's it's reflective of what's happening, isn't it? Right. I feel Groove is a bit, un, a bit harshly dealt with in this list because he had a lot of like fives and sixes early in the season because he played a lot of substitute appearances that yeah. were, you know, but you know the solution, a few minutes. The solution to that is just be better. Well, just there's, be better you know, there's only so much you can do with them in five minutes. Yeah, I think there's also a... Speak for yourself. A story to be told about um, <laughs> the Gruffalo's average being 6.15. No, because that's who you're talking about. Uh, Wilf Nyonto's average being 6.15 of the season and then against Swansea, he suddenly... Uh, 8.58 out of 10 the first time he's broken 8 mm. this season I think it's only the last couple of games that he's got above a 7 because even in previous games when he's maybe done alright I think he has been getting marked a little bit down for being a sullen little once away wanker but it does feel like everyone's kind of shaking the, cro- the that, that's the cross he's got to bear Moscow uh, shaking the dust out of um, all of that stuff and yeah so player of the match against Swansea with a uh, Crescencio Somerville-esque score. What's Somerville's average for the season? So, so yeah, Somerville's average is 7.36 and then Nyonto's coming in at Swansea with a whole, what is it? It's a one and a bit more. A lot of work for Jed Spence to do to get up from 5.73 out of 10, I feel. Mm, and Cody Drama mm. probably up against it as well. Right. Um, Hero of the week then, our candidates. Anybody want to step up to the plate and uh, and nominate someone? Who do you want to go for? Pat Bamford's nipple is a strong shout from... Um, from Pat Bamford's stretchy nipple, actually, oh. um, who nominates Pat Bamford's right nipple for its ability to elongate like Pinocchio's nose to poke the ball in. Right. Which I was quite taken by as an image. Yep. Yeah. Sexy. Dan James's uh, platform shoes points out that he's <laughs> the anti-hero we've all been looking for, which I think was mentioned on one of the podcasts I wasn't on, but the the gradually... I, I wonder why we haven't warmed to him more just because of how much everybody else dislikes him. And it's it's incredible. Even when we played Peterborough and looking ahead of, like, in the build-up of that in the Cup, there was some story on the Peterborough news site about um, um, Peterborough fans looking forward to clash with enemy Pat Bamford. Like, what the fuck's he ever done to Peterborough? <laughs> and it turned out that in something like 2013, when he was playing for the club that doesn't exist um, in Milton Keynes, here, which is a strike against him as well, but for everybody, he'd um, it's sort of been. I mean, I, I were back to elbows again, but somebody had clashed with him as they chased a through ball, and he'd gone down holding his face, and the Peterborough player gets sent off, and then nobody has forgiven him 
in Peterborough. And then it's been a... It feels very immature to hold on to such a grievance for so long. We'd never do anything of that sort, would we? God, no. But it's been a real revelation. Remember when we got in the Premier League and there were all the fans of other clubs and we listened to them on propaganda and they were like, always hated Pat Bamford. Why? Like, what possible reason? And you find out there's something he did while he was on loan for somebody somewhere and um, upset everybody. So that's the kind of, um, I don't know, he's underrated shithouse, mm. I think is uh, is one of Pat's sort of secret weapons that um, I enjoy about him. Yeah, to finish Dan James' platform shoes, he says, uh, every team needs a proper bastard and I was went to private school and plays the violin. <laughs> it's a perfect <laughs> storm, isn't it? It's like he's he's almost calculated to wind people up and it's even so the um the villain nomination i was giving him for scoring a beautiful shoulder ball but then telling everybody it was a handball it's like there's just he's just great at just pushing everybody's buttons and i hope he's i hope he has a good time and i hope his knees all right and i hope his house is also fine and not invaded by outsiders at the minute because that was bad who's it going to be then do you feel what i feel like i want to nominate the gruffalo um, Rachel's calling him the hero we didn't think we needed. Turns out there is such a thing as a midfielder as good as Ampadu. And I'm just enjoying him. Yeah, he Partic- has, he's been brilliant particularly for, a, for a while. when the Gruffalo popped into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was quite a good, oh, I'll remember that and I'll say it out loud somewhere. Mm. And then um, and other the, people uh, can the, enjoy it. It was um, the Bay Area Whites over in California put the picture, I think it looked like it was AI generated potentially, of the, Gruff- the actual Gruffalo, not Ilya Gruffalo, mm. in a lead shirt. So you can find that on their uh, on their socials. I think I might retweet it as well from ours. Dan Baker's giving him high praise as well. Spent this week pinging around passes, smashing into tackles like Olivier Decor in his prime. The type of player we thought we were getting when we signed a non-entity that is Mark Rocker. I suppose those two comparisons as well, that he's the player we thought Mark Rocker would be. Yeah. And he's as good as Ampadu. And then I suppose... I didn't. I wasn't thinking about the core one, but I suppose it counts as well. Is good because we didn't know what the hell we were getting when we were signing Groove. Mm. So we're just getting a player, fine Mid- midfielder, Bundesliga, like doesn't yeah, bode well. There was but... an assumption of sort of landfill, wasn't there? Almost auto last style landfill, but well, it's actually proved to be a lot more effective than that. I suppose it was his early performances as well, where we didn't know what it was. Why were you yeah. booing him off, Michael? <laughs> Why have we get get him out? Yeah, Brexit means Brexit. Yeah, um, but if you think back to the Stoke game. Which was basically him and was Nonso. That you, you were telling me you were shouting stop the boats? Yeah, him and Nonso came into the team and everyone looked at them both and went, oh, shit with these two in. Yeah. We can't play these. And then this, you fast forward to this week and both absolutely brilliant. And with Gruff, I would have been absolutely fine if we'd got to the end of this season and Stoke had been his only appearance and we got promoted and then we sold him. Mm. Like I, I never felt like he needed to do anything more. And Landfield's a bit un, unkind but, you know, every player can't play. We were talking about Jaden Anthony earlier, and Jaden Anthony's main problem is just that Somerville's been brilliant, so he, he don't get a kick. But he's not done anything wrong. And if he gets to the end of the season and he's made a bunch of sub-appearances, chipped in with a few goals um, and a couple of assists and, you know, filled, done the work in training, um, filled up the bench, been there when we need him in case something happens, um, and then it turns out nothing happens, fine. But it's always a... Uh, Wilkinson principle as long as like the reserves their job is to be ready and so if they're ready for every game then it doesn't matter if they play or not they've done their job um, to contribute to the team so Gruffalo could have done that but then suddenly he's on the pitch and now it's like I want to build a team around him right good good argument strong argument I feel that one so who's winning who did I nominate well, you <laughs> did we say Nonto did, did you pick somebody up specifically yeah, you, there's been so many good players it's hard to actually pull them all apart isn't it I wanted you to choose uh, Nyonto um, just because it's like as, as big a reputational turnaround as his like him like you hating him so much at the start of the season that you were demanding 27 goals and then I'd like to hear you now uh, praising him to the high heavens and saying you know what don't need all those goals but then I it's a similar a turn back. from him yeah I offered him a route back and he's now on that path at last well he's not on that that path he might get 27 goals in the calendar year. Okay. Let's go for that instead. So oh, that's still, all right. Moving that's the bloody goalposts. That's still a different path. Well, he's got so, he's got four now. I've just looked, four goals. But the, the, that's league goals, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know. So oh, like I didn't you, specify which competition there to be. It's like you decided that you would only grant forgiveness if you uh, met this milestone. 
but then you've seen everybody else is kind of forgiving him and you're like, oh, well. Six if you want to count goals and assists. There so are enough goal, goal involvement. There are enough games left that he could still get 27 goals. Right. I don't think that's too much to ask. And if he doesn't, you'd be fine with him anyway because he doesn't matter. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it was always going to be the case that he'd be forgiven if we were good and he played well at some stage. I mean, ultimately, you're just asking a man to do his job, aren't you? And I'm turning into Roy Keane here. That's mm. his job and all that. But it's true, isn't it? You've signed the contract. Do the job described in the contract. Seems fair enough. Yeah, good. Um, are they our two leading candidates then? Because I said Farker was mentioned. I mean, Somerville also. We, Somerville. we should probably mention that he's been like dead good. Ampadu and Rodon all mentioned. The nipple. Yeah, you was, you seemed more about Pat Bamford's nipple than about um, uh, Wolf Nyonto's being good at football. It's, I think Graves, a, it's a persuasive argument. Yeah, well, it will be when he's winning the, winning the Ballon d'Or. The new Zidane. I don't see much similarity in the play, but let's go with it. Don't matter, it's just a good midfielder that I could think of. All right, Archie Gray as well. Right. Just listing another good midfielder, yeah. even though he's now a good right back. Yeah. Um, so, well, before we decide, let's we'll do some doffs of the cap. Mrs. Shacks gets a, a mention by Dick Van Shipbitch. Congratulations Wait. to the Shackletons for it's their... It's to think of Jamie Shackleton as a father. I suppose a lot of young footballers do this, mm. but he still, he seems but a boy. Yeah. <laughs> there he is with a child of his own. It's like, what well, is it Brock Purdy as well, the, the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers? He looks like he's about 12. I'll take your word for it. And he, upon his shoulders, were the hopes of the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Should just nominate them as villains for uh, losing all that stuff. For choking and persisting with the narrative that you, we choke on a big occasion. Did you just pivot away from the, the gridiron? Yeah, just go all in on this. Yeah, chuck all the money at Leeds United. Okay, fair enough. It's a better investment. Um, it's not catching on, is it, the gridiron? That's what I'm taking from it. Right. Uh, Luca B nominates uh, the Swansea style of play. Yeah. Very effective. Very mm. effective. Yeah. I uh, did enjoy Luca to their bald fraud manager when he was trying to justify, well, he was he was unjustifying, he was upset about what had gone on. He said that when they played against Southampton, they defended in their own penalty area and not pressed and been beaten in the first 15 minutes. So this time he was like, will go further up the field and they still didn't press and they were still beaten in the first 15 minutes. So I think his, uh, he had a great line about what they're going to do. He said, we need, we need to practice playing top-level football. That was his other thing. He said that they were all uh, tired out because they'd been to Hull at the weekend and won and they'd put in more running. The stats showed more distance run in that game than any other game they'd done for Yonks. I was like, we're not used to that. And then we, we played against Leeds United and we didn't have any, like we couldn't run against them. And obviously they're really good at running. So we were outwards. It's like, we've got to practice playing. He said he's, he's asking them to play top level football. They did it at Hull, but they're not good enough to do it twice. You so th- they need to practice it more. You think the old running around would be fairly high on the old prerequisite list for footballers, wouldn't you? Not being able to run, I think, feels like a... There's levels in fitness, isn't there? We saw it with when Bielsa turned up. And you, you you would never have looked at Luke Ayling when he was playing for us before Bielsa arrived and, and think, oh, well, there's a there's a grotesquely out of shape guy. I bet he struggles getting up the stairs. And then within three months, his entire physique and his face had changed. Strips of old flesh. <laughs> it's like, oh, right, there is actually some... <laughs> you talk about marginal gains in football. It's like, fucking hell, we've... we've mm. um, Gained. rendered you down Pablo, Pablo's a weird <laughs> one for that as well because you see Pablo from the season before Bielsa and I never ever once thought he looked fat but now when you see pictures of because the iconic images of Pablo are of obviously promotion the pre-Bielsa Pablo he looks about a stone heavier it's, right. it's weird so all starve them is what we're saying mm, for starve those footballers but we do have, I suppose it's, we were praising Farker on the other show earlier and it's one of the, the things because we you, talk, you look at this week how are we going to cope? Rotherham, Swansea, Plymouth. We're at Plymouth again last week. And it's always a question of like, he just keeps picking the same team. But they're absolutely fine, aren't they? Yeah. And he sees as well, he's like, oh, it took Rutter off, maybe a bit of, a bit too much load, but he didn't want to come off. And um, yeah, apart from, you know, Bamford's knee or whatever's up with his leg is what it is. Um, but generally, even Byram's just like missing a couple of games because he's, and that's the time when he, He's like self-reporting, taking a week off and then coming back. They're just fine. I was um, watching a, a Swindon Town documentary from the season they went up. It's on YouTube. I don't know why. I don't know how I came across the it. The season they went up with... Glenn Hoddle. Right. And John Gorman as manager. But they're chatting to some of the... So this is for, 
for the youth. This is like 1993? Yes, when Swindon got into the Premier League and then put, uh, Hoddle went to Chelsea and Swindon just got absolutely battered for a season. And famously, had conceded 95 goals. We mm-hmm. went there on the final day of the season and put five past them. And I remember pleading, wishing, hoping that that would happen because 100 is such a nice round number. Because you hate Swindon that much. Yeah. Sean McGurk, dead to me now. Mm. But uh, yeah, there was some, someone in that basically saying if you're in the first team and they're winning, people don't get injured. Said it's only yeah. when people are in the reserves or the team's not winning, then you say, "Oh, I've got a bit of a pull here. I don't yeah. want to. I'm not sure about this." And yeah. it's it remains true to this day. I'm sure. Oh, retrospective villainy nomination, as we mentioned on the match ball, Rob. It's uh, Rob mentioned trying to buy a can of Fanta from the garage on the Ring Road. Mm-hmm. Two pound fifty was quoted, and he walked away from that. And I, I'd say, so well done, off of the cap to Rob for walking away from that. A retrospective villainy nomination for the garage on the ring road for trying to charge £2.50 for a standard can of Fanta. I thought you were going to have done research and found named and shamed them. I am prepared to drive along every garage on the ring road to find out where this was. I'm not sure it would be unique to that garage. Garages in general are a, a scandal. I, keep, I used to rely on one that lived uh, near me. We used to go there all the time and pay standard prices for s- standard sundries. But now I have, if I've um, forgotten to go to a shop or something, if I'm walking down here, I'd look in, oh, I need a bottle of water or something. I always make the mistake of walking in and I just walk out again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, I'm not paying that. You've got to draw a line. Just, you, I'd rather drink out of a puddle mm. than pay £3.50 for that. See, uh, the idea that it's a captive audience of automobile drivers of imported pricing from motorway service stations is kind of the thing. Because if, if it's £2.50 for a can on the M6, you're not really going to drive all the way into Sandback to get a better price, Michael. You uh, underestimate me. You're work- <laughs> he would probably do a... He's got a, a, all the local Littles and Aldis in a directory Do a cost-benefit analysis on the petrol consumption to see how much a, it would cost you. It's about the principle, though. You can't let the bastards win. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very much... I'm bloody-minded enough to be exactly the same as that. I'd sooner not get the drink, whereas my wife will go, oh, just get just get it. The kids are the, the dehydrated. If I, like, no. out, if I run out of petrol on the motorway, I will push my car down the hard <laughs> shoulder and off. Rather than refill. Rather than refill at one of those services. Do they still have, like, um, free water that you can top up your engine? Oh, um, even the supermarkets make you pay for water now, like if you're topping up your engine. Because I think those machines that, you know, they you get the, the squirty water mm, machine mm. and then there's the blowy air machine is one normally one and the same. Charge you for it now. What about the blowy air machine? If you want to pump up your tyres. It's 50p now, you can, but you can pay contactless. So I, I once had to pay a quid for that. For air? That upset me, but my tyre was actually flat, so right. I, did, I did need to just, I tried to do it in my mouth. Really, <laughs> couldn't get the PSI correct. <laughs> <laughs> need to give myself some sort of hemorrhage. <laughs> it's not worth it. Such a useful mouth normally as well, Michael. Such a useful mouth. Um, I feel, again, we've got, we've got slightly way late, so um, let's get back on message, shall we? And... Pick a hero of the week. Gruffalo. Strong case. Michael. Nonto. All the G's. It's going to be a G. Nonto, I admit. G G G G G unit. Doesn't slot. We could give it both of them and say G unit. Give it a 50 cents, mates. <laughs> G, G unit. There is work. a snake in the Gruffalo. There is. That sort of was Nonto earlier in the season. Yeah. He's since transformed. Was, it, was he living in his log pile house? I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's not a Decepticon. Uh... G unit, G unit. Yeah, fine. give it them both. They can share it. Cool. Well done, G unit. Right. Well, and Jorginho can go in there too. Okay. Any other ones you want to add? How many? What other players do we have beginning with G? There are Gary. There are any Gary? <laughs> Gavin. If your name begins with Gordon's. G, if you are a Georgia, if you are a Jorginho, if you're plain old George, you are all. Everybody is a hero. Yeah. What other names begin with G? I know Gray. you just looked it up. Oh, Archie Gray. Who? Of course. <laughs> Yeah. All the greys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought, right. I thought you just meant in life. Jemima? <laughs> Would you not traditionally go for a J there for Jemima? Uh, or it depends, doesn't it? Uh, Greg Wallace is, is hard in the, the uh, Gs, isn't he? Yes, famously. Yeah, well, Glenn Kamara? Of course, yes. Yeah, so there's plenty in the squad without me having to go desperately for names. Joe Gelhart. I mean, you've, what, you've, what you did by talking before there, Moscow, was buy me enough time to open up the Wikipedia page with our squad list on. So It was quite funny with um, Gelhart waiting to come on and everybody laughing at him. Do we think that the Darko JB that the players had deliberately started like not letting the ball go out of play. Sam Greenwood to stop Joffy from getting on. That'd be harsh. No, but for a, for a laugh. Oh, for a laugh, yeah, maybe it, it sort of felt like that way because we did suddenly go into just keep ball that we'd not been George Graham. <laughs> 
We're going to wrap it up there. Genevieve. G, G Tourette. <laughs> Any Genevieve's out there? It's time to stop. Let's stop. Thank you for joining us. This on one's show. for you, Grady. Gradle. Yeah, oh, there Gradle. we go. It's all coming together. The G unit. That, it makes sense now, doesn't it? Yeah. Gregory, we are pr- gonna. We are. We are proud of you, Gunnar Haller. Sean Gregan. Wherever we'll, you may we'll be. be back with a weekly roundup next week. Um, look out for the show with Phil before the weekend, where we will preview uh, another trip down to uh, to Plymouth, and we'll react to that after the weekend as well. Enjoy yours. We'll see you soon. Win of here. The Square Ball Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.